Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Message is Moving. It's your boy, Rock Boy, and I definitely want to appreciate all the listeners that was basically able to share and take in information from my first episode, The Generation Curse of the Uneducated Vote, with Ashley Smith-Willis. And on this episode, we have to talk about the generation curse of financial illiteracy. And when you think about the term financial literacy, we also think of maybe as in a formal term of someone that's aware of their finances or aware of the vocabulary. But to be honest, it's not necessarily about you being aware of, of the technical terms. It's really the ability to understand and to make a sound decision, making an effective management of personal finances. So the important part of that is to enable the sound decision making ability to make effective management choices of your personal finances. So I had to bring in a special guest today and I actually go way back with this guest back in the undergrad years in college. I'm not gonna say when, cause we're not gonna tell our age yet, but this person is certified as a certified financial education instructor. She has helped over 35 plus people succeed financially. She specializes in saving, debt elimination, credit, and resumes. And she has a book out right now called No Thanks, I'm on a Budget. Please welcome Alicia from Alicia's Financial Corner, LLC. Hi, what's going on? Hey. How are you? Man, I am good. Long time no see or heard from. I know, right? Like you said, we're not going to tell how long, but you know, this this year's actually reunion, a reunion, you know. <laughs> that is right. Wow. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes, a reunion. <laughs> Man. And the funny thing about Alicia is even back then she was on that finance because you were a financial major, you were a finance major, correct? Well, yeah, at first it was accounting, but um, I switched it over. So, yeah. <laughs> So I'm talking about, and she's been doing big things out here, getting people right. And we definitely need these resources, especially during this pandemic. Yeah. Um, everybody, in a sense, has to be smart about their finance choices. But when it comes to our communities, one thing that's very important is generational wealth. And you can't really have generational wealth if you can't handle financial decisions in the present. So first thing first, I kind of want to get into your background. So when it comes to finance, I've read in different books from Dave Ramsey to Chris Hogan that one of the first things we learn how to handle finances is basically from what our parents told us or what we saw from our parents in the household. So what was it like in your household? Like what was your teaching of finances growing up? 
Yeah, so they are correct. So growing up, I did not know anything about finance. Um, I didn't know what was going on with my parents in terms of, you know, how they were paying bills, how they were keeping up with things. So to me, it was kind of a disadvantage. Um, I remember if you read my book, No Thanks, I'm on a Budget, I have a lot of different personal situations that actually happened to me. And one in particular, um, I was about um, 19 years old and I went to the bank just for a checking in the savings account and didn't know I applied for a credit credit card and I ended up maxing the credit card in two years. My credit score dropped 130 points. Mm. Um, and so that's when I kind of figured out that, hey, finance is really, really important. And, um, and you know, just being in college as well, I switched, I ended up switching my major over to finance. And this was during um, the time where the housing bubble happened and everything. And I was seeing that a lot of people were going through financial stress and, you know, just doing presentations about it. And I said, you know, I need to make sure for one, I'm only 20 years old and my credit score is already down 130 points, right? I'm already starting off wrong. And for two, I knew that there was no one outside of schooling that was going to teach me. So it was like I had to kind of educate myself by reading books, by listening to um, YouTube videos, by Googling in a sense of different things. So, yeah, that's kind of like how I grew up not knowing. And so I learned from my mistakes. And that's kind of what led me to be like, hey, let me get better financially. And then eventually I kind of like seek my purpose. And it was like, well, let me help people as well. So. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, it's it's funny you say that because nothing will be a better teacher than a real world and real failures. Right. Mm. And when you think about it, going into college, we were like 17 or 18 years old signing an agreement for student loans, not fully knowing that that was a huge financial decision that a lot of us are still have to live with. Mm. Um, even during school with refund checks, there was a point. I don't know about you, but I thought that was kind of like free money. I was like, okay, I get, I go to school, I'm getting money. Not knowing that's really money that's already owed to me. And I'm basically just adding on to the debt. So that's, that's important that you said that because a lot of us had firsthand experience. And it's not just college students, but just all the way around. And one of the things, even though it's a good resource to build credit, um, if you're not careful, uh, a credit card can be also your weapon rather than an advantage. And, right. you know, with, with the importance of a credit score, and I'll let you kind of go into that. What is an important, what is beneficial of having a good credit score first and foremost? Okay, so what credit basically is. So there's this financial slogan that says cash is king, but credit is power. So many of us, you know, like myself, I don't have the cash to go out and buy a house if I wanted to. I don't have the cash to go out and buy me a BMW if I wanted to right now. I'll probably, probably fully deplete some things, but mm -hmm. I don't have that cash to just flat out and go things. So because I don't have the cash, I do have, I can rely on what's my credit score. So my credit enables me to have the power to be able to go get these things. And so that's why it's imperative and it's very important to have a, um, a high credit score, know what your credit score is and always maintain it and do things correctly because it allows negotiating power, buying power, and it gives you the ability to buy the things that the people who have cash can buy. You can get the same things. So that's why credit is very important and it's important to have. 
Nice. Yeah. And, and I agree because when you think about credit scores and like you said, so that is a popular, a popular phrase that cash is king, but you usually don't hear that second half of that. Right. Mm. So people thinking, okay, well, all I need is cash and I'll be fine. But you're going to have a situation where, whether it's a huge asset, like a house or mm. that car, or even if you're trying to run your own or start your own business and you need that business credit, um, or you need that capital to start the business. If you're not going to do it through business credit, if you're not going to have that cash and many of us, depending on how you grew up, we're not going to have that large amounts of capital to start with. You're going to need that credit to leverage the ability to finance what you need, or what you want in life. Right. So with that being said, there's this quote that I saw online that was interesting. And I think you can really expound on that. So this quote said, it's not your salary that makes you rich. It's your spending habits. Yes. So do you agree with that? And based on your experience from consulting people so far, do you see that as a very accurate accurate quote that as people's spending habits that get them in trouble, not necessarily that they lack the income? Right. Yes, I agree. And this is why in my business, um, I focus solely on budgeting um, because my budgeting is the biggest misconception in the world. Because, um, as you say, people feel like the more money I make, the more financially secure I am. That is not true, because what happens is if you have bad spending habits, for example, if your boss or if your job, if you were to they say, hey, I'm going to give you a thirty thousand dollar increase all more money is just going to um, elaborate or enhance what you currently do. So if you have bad spending habits, the $30,000 is not going to allow you to have more financial stability because all you're going to do is magnify the things that you currently do. So if you're someone that likes cars, you're going to get a bigger car payment, right? So that's mm-hmm. not going to leave room for financial stability. If you wanted a house, your house budget is going to increase. That means that you're going to add on more debt. So more money does not equate to financial stability and also your spending habits. Um, You can have all the money in the world, but if you don't know how to manage it and budget it, it's just going to go to waste. Um, And that's kind of like one of the reasons why I started my business. Um, You know, I was in the banking industry for six years and I could see everything that was going on. And I saw people that made six figures and people that made only $30,000, $40,000 a year and people that were making $30,000, $40,000 a year, they had more money in the account than people that were making six figures. Uh-huh. And, and yeah, and, and you would think that, okay, this person is making six figures. But yeah, that person making six figures, they go out to eat every day. They have $800 car payments. Their mortgages are $2,000. And they're not keeping up with their finances because they have so much money coming in. They think they're financially secure, but they're not. They're paying the bank uh, $20 a month and like just crazy maintenance fees just because they're making more money. So yeah, more money does not equate to financial success. And if you don't manage it, it's just you're just wasting your time by making more money. Mm. See, what you dropped was a gem right there. And I want Mm -hmm. people to really take that in because there are some people that their excuse is, I don't have enough money to Mm -hmm. save. And And it's not necessarily that you don't have enough money. It could be a lack of discipline or maybe just a lack of of choices on what you felt like you didn't have because at least, and I can speak personally, right? 
I came up in a background where if I felt like I needed more money and I've been there before, like my first apartment out of college and, you know, I'm, I'm making like $11 an hour and I got a whole rent to worry about. And I just kind of went with what I knew for what I saw from people around me. Okay, I don't have the money. So, you know what? I'll just get a payday advance. I'll get a credit card. I'm basically going to get more debt, right? Mm -hmm. And what I wasn't doing was solving the behavior behind it. And there were things that I can do for free, which is my thinking, rather than put myself in another bind by adding more to it. So I had a furniture bill. I had a new car note. I had credit card bills. I was doing the payday advance thing, which was a huge interest that I found out after I got involved with it. I had all that dealing with my first year being, uh, you know, being out my own after college. And in hindsight, all you said was true. It's like, you know what? I kept saying to myself, my excuse was, I don't make enough money in my job. But it wasn't my job or the money I was making. It was me. I could have sacrificed going out to eat every time instead of cooking right. you know i didn't have to get that cadillac cts it looked nice I, you know when i got that parking <laughs> lot i felt nice <laughs> but that was like four hundred dollars a month you know so how can i cry broke and i'm paying four hundred dollars a month for this car and i could just get something cost efficient or save up to pay you know more than a down payment and for what you and what and for what you, I'm sorry, you 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 gonna say something? Or? No, go ahead. I was gonna say so based on some of the people that you that you assisted already. Um, what are one of the most underrated things that people get involved with that ruins their ability to save? Um, I know one of the things I mentioned was lunch. I know sometimes people can eat out for lunch, and that kind of adds up. People don't know that can sneak up on them. Uh, what is one of the things that's underrated? on hurting you from saving money or budgeting effectively? I think the most the most underrated thing is actually writing down what you spend. So mm -hmm. what we tend to do is we look at our bank app, right? We're we gonna we get paid, it's payday Friday, hey, right? And we go mm -hmm. pay all of our bills and then it's like, oh I got three hundred dollars left. And then we spend, 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 spend. And then it's like we fully exalted our savings or fully exalted our checking. And then that's when we look to the credit cards or that's when we look to the loans because we say things like, well, I need to eat. I need to get gas. I don't have any more money. Um, and that and it's a continuous pattern, paycheck to paycheck. So what we have to do is actually write down our spending and set limits to it because no, just simply looking at your bank statement and saying you have three hundred dollars. Yeah, that might sound good for the next two weeks, but have you considered, you know, your food? You know, how much are you going to actually spend on food? Have you considered gas? You know, you 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 planned a trip um, this weekend. Have you considered the cost of that? So that's something that actually ruins us, and it doesn't allow the ability to save because we don't actually like write down everything and set limits. We just kind of go with the flow all the time instead of saying okay i have this three hundred dollars four hundred dollars left i'm only gonna you know do a hundred dollars this week for food or i'm only gonna spend sixty dollars this week in gas versus just um just spending it and then just constantly looking at our bank app and seeing what we have left so yeah got it and not only would it help us but for people that have families or plan on having a family one of the things that you can pass down to future generations is wisdom. And of course, if we don't have the knowledge to do so, 
all our kids and grandkids or whoever are just going to look at us and repeat the same mistakes, quote unquote, mm-hmm. the same generation curse of financial illiteracy, mm-hmm. which is the ability to not make sound financial decisions. Um, and I did a little bit of, I don't want to say creeping, but a little bit of searching on your page. Yeah. <laughs> and I did see a meme and I actually like what you said on it. I kind of want you to elaborate a little further one of the memes that you shared, you said, don't get so inspired that you end up getting discouraged about your financial progress. Mm. What do you what do you mean by that? So, you know, sometimes, um, you know, we tend to equate financial stability by age, you know, so we look at society and by 30 years old, we're supposed to have this house, you know, with the white picket fence, you know, mm-hmm. by 40, we're supposed to have this amount saved for retirement by 50. Uh, you know, it's time for our kids to go to college. So we should have this set amount plan for our kids. And sometimes we can get so inspired to do these things, but we may not actually, we try to have, make our um, long-term goals, short-term goals. And then we end up being discouraged about what we're doing. So, you know, uh, like 30, like I said, about 30 year olds, you know, you're supposed to have a house at 30. But what if you're just now getting back on your feet? You know, what if you're just now making the money that you realize that you, you know, you're finally supposed to be making? You may not be able to get that house until the next three to five years, right? But you see everybody else and all your friends getting a house. And sometimes you get so inspired. You're like, okay, well, I know I plan for three to five years, but I'm going to get me a house next year. And then what ends up happening is maybe five to six years from now, you're going to actually regret what you did because, you know, you you use that. I, I like to call it instant gratification where you just want it so instantly. You're so inspired to get it that you don't actually kind of look back at the principles, you know, that delayed gratification. What if I wait? What if I sacrifice? What if I get my credit score um, at an acceptable level, a higher level so I can pay less in interest? Right. Um, so. That's kind of like what I meant by that quote is don't get so like happy and want and just want to do everything so fast and rush that you don't actually look at the principle behind it. And you just end up making a choice that later on down the line, you're going to regret and then you're going to be mm. discouraged. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And, you, and you know what? That's so pivotal in the social media era, mm-hmm. because. Even with our parents, our, our older uncles, aunts, grandparents, I'm sure they had their their time frames where they can, you know, look at some things and kind of gauge on their age, like comparison. But it's a whole different level now because you can see everything with someone sharing. And I think what you said was important because I think people want that micro that microwave success where they feel like I can just heat it up. And it's right there available. And they had no idea that person's story, how long it took. You just saw the end results. You thinking, okay, I can get that easily or I'm discouraged because what I thought was going to happen, the time frame that it did, it didn't happen in that same time frame that I thought it was going to be. And you're not looking at it realistically. Um, That's very important because I think we all, to to an extent, we have to kind of check ourselves, look ourselves in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm glad for this person, but who knows how long this person was working on this thing. And we just seen the end result, like you said, that instant gratification. Um, so I, I think that's very, very pivotal. And now that quote really stands out. I might have to use that quote. I'm, I mean, I'm going to credit you. You know what I'm saying? Okay. 
but I'm, I, I gotta use that quote. That's 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 yeah. great. And and yeah, I had in my like in my book, I mentioned you know um, social media can cause us to like idolize false well beings. Mm. Anybody can take a picture and say this is my house, but is that really their house? Are, are they really on the mortgage? You know what I mean? Anybody right. can take a picture of a car, but do you know that $800 car payment is kicking their butt every month? Mm -hmm. um, do you know that they are three months behind and they're waiting for tax time so they can catch up? You know? So mm -hmm. we have to be careful about how, you know, comparison kills. We have to be careful of what we look at and, and try to compare our own paths to other people. Because you can, again, you can be doing something just because you see everybody else doing it. And that's not what you're supposed to be doing right now. So mm. you got to be very careful with social media. Very, very careful. And I like what you said just now. Comparison kills. Yes. Mm. Dropping bars out here. Yes. Unless you, Drop oh. the mic. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. All right. All right. So, Okay. So I'm this individual that wants to get started on budgeting right now. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at my, my, my account. I'm looking at my bills. I'm looking at my, my debt, my loans, car notes, whatever. And I'm saying to myself, you know what, Alicia, I have these loans here. I have this credit card debt I'm trying to knock down. I want to start saving now. So what do I do first? Do I eliminate the debt? Do I start saving first? Or do I do a combination of both? That's a very great question. And a lot of financial experts, they all say different things. When it comes to eliminating debt and saving, I think that you should do both. Um, but it also depends on your situation. Now, I like the fact of eliminating debt because it's like you're never, you're not the borrower to the lender no more. You don't have to worry about monthly payments. You don't have to worry about interest. Um, but at the same time, if you can knock down your debt in like a year or maybe two years at the most, focus on a debt-free journey, you know, because that means you don't have no more payments and it will allow you to have more cushion after those payments are finished to save, to invest, to do everything else. But if you're in this space where you just have a lot of loans and, and they're more, um, it's going to take more than two years I would recommend doing eliminating debt and saving. Now, as far as doing both, this is what I recommend. You want to make sure that you have a good solid cushion in your savings account. Um, I mean, still pay like your minimum payments on your debt at first, but get a good cushion in your savings account. I'm all about, you know, emergency funds. I tell people to save at least one month of your um, of your your paycheck. And here's why. We all know this thing called life and there's are a lot of life uncertainties and we can wake up and try to get out of our, get out of our driveway and then our tire blows. You know, mm. we can wake up and find out that our child needs to be rushed to the emergency room. We don't know what life holds. So it's always imperative that you always save. So I recommend get a good cushion. So if something does happen, it's like you're not fully depleting yourself. Once you have that good cushion, then you can be like more aggressive on eliminating your debt. Um, eliminating your debt, I love what's called the snowball method. 
It's uh, one of the great Dave Ramsey, he created it. Mm -hmm. It was basically you're starting from the smallest debt and you're working your way to a larger. So you're going to list that smallest payment and whatever it is, you're going to be aggressive, aggressive, and you're going to make minimum payments on all those other debts. And then once that, that first smallest debt is paid, then you're going to work your way and do the second and so forth and so on. Um, now, if you have relatively high interest debt, like if you have credit, like you said, you mentioned the payday loan, where sometimes their interest are like thirty percent. If it's mm -hmm. more than a, if it's more than about twenty five percent, I folk, I would recommend doing a, a eliminating debt using the avalanche method. The avalanche method is um, where you're focused on a high interest debt first. So you want to pay those high interest debt first. And you're going to start from the, the smallest with the largest high interest debt and then work your way to the smallest. Um, but yeah, I recommend doing both. Got it. Mm. Got it. Yeah. And, I, and I'm, I am familiar with the snowball effect. I remember really getting into Dave Ramsey and I was like, yo, he is telling people off, but he was saying some truth. Yeah. He was saying some truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you don't want to hear it, but it's like, you need to hear it, you know, because at the end of the day, he just wants you to be financially secure. So, right, and and it comes to speaking to our community directly. I wanted to share this um, statistic real quickly because mm -hmm. it is about you know generation curses, and here's what we tend to do in our generation. So it says here that according to the State of Work in America, Black people spend four percent more money. 4% more money annually than any other race, despite the fact that we are the least represented race and a race that lives in poverty at the highest rate. So I'm gonna say that one more time. Black people spend 4% more money annually than any other race, despite being the least represented race and that lives in poverty at the highest rate. So when you think about that, and I know there's so many popular cliches out there, right? Like buying Jordans and not taking care of your bills. Mm -hmm. um, my mom has a saying, some people have a wine, wine taste, but on a bear budget. <laughs> yep, I heard that before too. <laughs> so when you think about that, and I know you probably heard probably different excuses or, or different reasons on why what you recommend might be a little hard for them or difficult is it more so of you know it's not that it's difficult but it seems like it's not fun to budget do you think budgeting has a bad rap because it seems like it's taking away all the luxuries in life at least in their mind yes yes and so that's why i, I like i said i teach budgeting because it's one of the mis representative things financial terms in the world because people think of a budget and they said, oh, I have to stop going out to eat. I have to stop taking a vacation. That's so not true. A budget is simply a view of your health. You know, just like how we go to the doctor and we, you know, we get tests ran and everything and we see the results. That's kind of like what a budget does. It lets you see your financial health. Now, based on what you see from your financial health with your budget, you can choose what you want to do with it. So if you're looking at your budget, your financial health, and it's saying that you don't have anything in your savings, then that's when you need to figure out a strategy so that you can save. If you're looking at your financial health, your budget, and you have two kids and you're like, 
you know, I didn't have anything. I didn't, I had to go to school with student loans. I don't want my kids to go through that. So you create a budget so that you can start investing in your kids' um, college. So that's what a budget is. You can still do the same things that you do, but you're just limiting what you do in your understanding and you're organizing and prioritizing your money each month so that you can achieve the goals you want to do. So that's what a budget is. And I'm glad you broke that down because I think that's something that's in, inherited in a lot of us, which is the miseducation of it. Mm-hmm. Because the different things that I've heard was, you know what, we're always going to be in debt, so you might as well just live life. Oh, and, yes. <laughs> and that sounds very, you know, at the time, inspiring to do reckless decisions, but it doesn't really build generational wealth. And this is why we're always, even though we've, we have huge spending power, we don't have huge saving power and we have nothing to give to the next. And now you see so-and-so got an ax and now you don't judge Mathis because you use so much credit to, 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 to get a cable bill and, you know, oh, yeah, that, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What I was going to say, you know, with that statistic, you know, why we spend so much and we spend the way we do, I think it's, it's really the education behind it. And mm-hmm. I think it's really the way that we define financial success, you know, um, as African-Americans, I feel, you know, well, at least like growing up in my community, we define financial success by what we have. So we have the bigger house, so we have the bigger car, if we're wearing the Jordans and the polo, that shows you that I have money, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. how we define it. Instead of other race may be like, you know, I'm putting money into a savings account, I'm putting money in a 529 college plan for my kids, I'm investing, that shows financial stability. And it's the education behind it. I think that we have to get into the idea that we don't have to show what we have, mm-hmm. right? And we right. need to focus on putting our money more towards assets, things that appreciate, meaning that things are going to be of value over time versus liabilities, things that depreciate over time, meaning that mm. those Jordans 10 years from now ain't going to be worth nothing. Right. So I think we have, as a as a race, we have to kind of, look and say, we got to define financial stability differently. But, you know, that's, that's hard for a lot of us because, you know, we already have this image of we lived a certain life, we wear a certain thing. So you can't go from being this person that, you know, always wear Gucci all the time to you, you shopping at Ross. Because now it's right. like, what what happened? I thought you always wear Gucci all the time, you know? Right. So we have to get out of that mindset that financial stability is based on what I wear or what I have. That's not true. And I'm seeing, and it just kind of hit me, I'm seeing a pattern already because on my last episode of Ashley Smith-Willis, we talked about how with uneducated voting, most of it came from an emotional standpoint. Because we didn't think about it logically, we base it off emotions. That's why we are let down because if someone comes in with this raw, raw speech about what they're going to do for us and we don't have a plan, we didn't really ask for anything that we can hold them accountable for, then it kind of comes back to bite us. It's like, you know, I didn't really do anything for our communities, but we ran on emotion. We didn't ask for anything. So now as we get to this episode, 
this seems to be an emotional decision. Emotionally, I feel poor. Even though I might be poor, like technically in a financial standpoint, I feel rich because I have this on. Mm-hmm. And as long as I have this on, I don't feel poor because I look rich. Right. That is so powerful. Yeah. That's And that's so true. Yep. And so, it's just a continuous cycle. And mm-hmm. um, and then we, we teach our kids that too. You know, we teach our kids at a young age that is, is you know, wear it because that's financial stability. And it's just a continuous right. pattern. Year, generation after generation until someone says, let's break the curse. Absolutely. And that's what we're doing. That's one of the things we're doing here on this episode. That's why it's the generation curse of financial illiteracy, because we're going to read some of y'all today. Whoever's listening to this, y'all about to be raved. Oh, God. (laughs) Don't make me like the bad guy now. I just want to help (laughs) you. No, don't think of it as a bad guy. Think about think of it as the truth teller, because mm-hmm. we all need that friend to say, you know what? I'm not going to be a yes man to you because me saying yes to you might put you close to your demise. Right. I'm going to be that one to tell you how it is. You're not going to always like me for it. But trust me, you're going to add value to the future when it comes to kids, your personal wealth. And just as a whole for our community, because when you date back in this to slavery and how we didn't have the assets and the resources to to maintain a lot of things. One of the first assets we really had after slavery was land. And even that can be compromised. That's going to be a future episode. I'm going to talk about here's property, how even if the land is yours, but it's not really because anyone could come in there, raise taxes, get away from you, and then there here comes justification. Because we have assets of debt, but we don't have the education to keep it. Same thing with money. Mm-hmm. Money is a resource. It doesn't matter how much money you've gotten if you don't know how to maneuver it or to save it or to make more of it without damaging yourself. It's going to be continued. Um, I also want to talk about the future. I know a lot of things you mentioned so far, it seems like you have to be more present tense with attacking debt in, in most cases. Um, not being overly inspired and be more realistic. So I know when it comes to retirement, right? I know a lot of people, they work for at least at one point, social security and pension. And every year that's a hot topic, right? So even for our generation, we're earning more money than our parents, but we still might be in the, the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to retirement savings. Um, matter of fact, between Blacks, Whites, and Hispanics, Blacks on average save only $19,000 on their retirement. Mm-hmm. And even though there are more Black Americans going to college, because of student loan debt and credit card debt and this that being a billion dollar industry in itself, we are really in jeopardy for having a huge retirement savings. So if we barely have money for ourselves. How can we pass it on to our future? Mm-hmm. With that being said, do you also consult people about um, 401ks and IRAs as well? So I don't, um, cause I don't do investments. That's more on the investment side. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do is I educate people. So what I, I help people do is save to invest because mm-hmm. once you have the foundation of saving, um, you can only save but so much, you know, you can have your emergency fund, but you're going to have to put your money to work. 
And here's why, because of retirement for one, you need to like maximize your money. We have this thing called inflation. Inflation is 3%. So basically what inflation is, it devalues the money year to year. Just think about it. Think about going to the grocery store in the 1990s. You can get a lot of stuff. Now in 2020 with $20, you may not be able to get everything. That's just the same with a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're going to have to find ways to maximize your money in terms of you know, saving for retirement with those 401ks and with those um, with those IRAs, with those Roth and um, traditional IRAs. So I don't um, teach like specific products about that, but I do educate on why it's important and help you to build that foundation so that you'll be able to invest in those things. Got it. And actually, it's a good segue because I never read at the beginning, I basically read what you specialize in saving debt elimination, credit, and resumes, right? Mm-hmm. And you, and budgeting. Of course, no thanks. I'm on a budget. <laughs> Out now on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. That's right. By Alicia's Financial Corner, LLC. So I know you said what you went through inspired you to be in the platform to help people. But what was that true, like, specific moment where it's like, you know what, I'm going to start the LLC. The reason why I'm asking you this, because that's important as well, just as a, as an inspiration purpose, because some people have an idea, like, you know, I can help people this way, but I don't know the steps to kind of move forward or I need that motivation. Did you have this conversation with yourself? Or like, you know what, maybe I should do this. And do you kind of like just procrastinate on that a little bit? Because a lot of us, we went to school for whatever we went to school for, and then we fell by the wayside after college, right? We started doing something completely different, and we're still paying on something mm-hmm. that we went to school for. So how did Alicia get from Alicia in the banking industry to Alicia's Financial Corner LLC? Like, what was that moment of truth, that epiphany that you had? So I think it hit me. So let's just for the record, everybody thinking, you know, I've been like budgeting and saving since college. Yeah, but not like how I have been um, since I turned 30. I'm 33 now. Um, But it didn't hit me until 30 years old. 30 years old, I kind of looked at my life and I was like, man, you know, I'm just like living like a mediocre life. Um, And I wanted something different. You know, you ever get like just sick and tired of being sick and tired of stuff? And I was just kind of tired of the, the same situations and same things happening. And so I kind of wanted a different way of life. I wanted to do something different. And so I discovered, you know, purpose. Um, and well, first I discovered, you know, prosperity. And, you know, I not so much like financial prosperity, but just like prosperity in terms of just happiness and joy and, and just living this life that like, you know, you're happy in a sense. And it's like, you know, I want to get to that place. And so uh, to me, I was like, okay, what leads to prosperity? And I realized that it's, you know, my purpose leads me to prosperity. And so like I went on a purpose journey at 30 where I kind of realized that the things that I've actually went through, you know, being in the banking industry, although I was in the banking industry for six years, um, I I struggled with it. I didn't like it. Um, It was one particular job I was in for four years. 
And I always just question, why am I there? But now I look back and I realize that I was there because I, I was able to see what was going on. I was able to see the lack of the lack of financial literacy. I was able to see, you know, how people treated their credit. And furthermore, I was able to help myself in terms of budgeting, savings, understanding my credit and all those things and just understanding banking tactics. So it was then in that moment I realized, well, hey, I can use basically the, the things that I've been through and form it into a business. And so that's kind of how I went from just this, you know, girl working in the banking industry to, you know, hey, I want to help people with the things that I saw and I want to, you know, I live a life of prosperity. So that's how I went from that to Alicia's Financial Corner. Got it. Man, I knew you said I want to get too inspired, but I'm inspired right now. You know what I'm saying? Well, hey, you you got to, you got to, you know, and and I and even though, you know, you get so inspired, you know, you you need to set audacious goals, because if you just set a goals that are just, you know, you're going to achieve, it's not really, you know, good. So it's kind of good to like stretch yourself out a little bit, but don't stretch yourself out so much that it becomes unrealistic. Or like I said, you end up trying to do something long, something short term that was supposed to be long term. You mm. know, if you know, if you if you have a, a, this dream for this business, but you know, maybe you need business credit and your credit is not an acceptable level, figure out a plan. It might take a year. You know, you dream of this business, write out every day, how can I get my credit to this place? As long as you have it written down and you're working towards it, that that's okay. It's 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 fine. It's kind of like a financial vision board of some sort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And especially now, I mean, I know things are kind of opening back up, but it's also another thing, too, is to understand what you have as an opportunity, no matter what the situation is, taking advantage of the climate. And speaking for me personally, right, like when this pandemic hit, I literally moved during the pandemic, right? So okay. I actually, I actually, I'm, I'm in North Carolina and I'm in Raleigh and okay. I moved in March right when the pandemic hit. So of course, if I knew this was going to happen, you know, maybe I would delay that, but it is what it is. So here I am in a whole nother city with a pandemic. I think at the time it was still called an epidemic, but nevertheless, I saw this as an opportunity to really save and build my savings account, honestly, because I ended up getting a job that was work from home. So I'm not spending money on any gas. Um, I really, you know, I can always cook, but I really say, you know what? If I can save money on gas, I can save money on something else. So I really started cooking and not really, you know, you're not really going now. And it kind of forced people, not only me, but other people to really stay at home and, and to save money on other things. Now, of course, you have other vices, right? Some people started doing more online shopping, unfortunately, so they kind of canceled out everything we were trying to save. But I did take advantage of that. So right now in this climate of the pandemic, I know that things are opening back up and it's not as in a lockdown phase as we were. But in the pandemic, with a lot of people's challenges may have been, you know, I lost work or maybe I had to take a job that wasn't paying as much as the one before. Um, I know that you mentioned Dave Ramsey. One of the things they like to he like to say is save up to six months of an emergency funding. Do you have like a rule of thumb for that as well? Like 
was a good saving point or I guess that just depends on that person's expenses. Yeah, so I I do believe in a three to six months, but I honestly the reason why so the reason why they say three to six months because in reality it takes three to six months if you were to lose your job. So that's mm-hmm. the whole purpose of why it's important to save three to six months. Um, for me, honestly, I I say about two months and then focus, you know, aggressively on eliminating debt or, you know, whatever it is, like investing. Um, because I say this all the time to my clients, you know, savings, you know, puts your money to rest, but investing puts your money to work. So if you have six months of emergency fund that's just sitting there like over time it's not really doing anything and then like i said about inflation over time your money is depreciating you know especially like Mm -hmm. let's say if you had that six months that money sitting there for 20 years it's just depreciating it's not doing anything especially if you have money or things you know other places so i recommend i i would say like three months keep like three three to four months but then after you have that three to four months, then, you know, figure out some ways to capitalize on it, you know, increase your 401k percentage um, because you can't go wrong with a 401k. Yes, the economy goes up and down, but that's just what the economy does. The economy always going to go up and down, but your 401k is a long term investment. So over time, you know, like in March, we went through a stock market crash everybody's mm-hmm. investments went down but guess what the the stock market has been doing has been booming um especially since we have a new elected president like the mm-hmm. day after like the dow jones like soared um and today the dow jones soared so um it's a long-term investment so i would recommend just a solid about three to four months and then kind of look for ways to invest it because you don't want to just keep that just sitting in a savings account but I mean, if you have it like where you just got a lot of money, because I've seen people because the FDIC, um, which basically protects banks in the event if they were to um, go bankrupt, they can protect people's assets up to 250000 So you mm-hmm. have like millionaires that have 250000 sitting in just in a regular savings account. That's not making any money, but they have a lot of money elsewhere. Um so I mean if you if you make if you have that much money, I would recommend that. But just like a regular person that's just trying to live day to day, um, I just recommend that three to four months. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah, I think that's that's a good point because I think even in other factors in the industry, you notice that three months was being thrown around a lot. I know some mortgages they did wave or, you know, I don't know if they necessarily waive payments, but maybe they waive the interest for like three months. I know even my mm-hmm. bank for my my car note, for three months I was able to, you know, they say, hey, if you don't want to pay on that, we'll give you three months for the free mm-hmm. relief, even student loans. And I think that's a big opportunity for people. I hope people took advantage of that. But the yeah. federal loans and waiving the interest rate to a certain amount of time, I hope you were paying on it, even if it's $10, pay something on the interest. Um, but I actually, I'm glad you, you're on, you're on point because I actually was leading you up to something else. You kind of already mentioned it. You okay. said that the money being saved, you still want to find something to do with that money because that money just sitting there. You just don't want to do nothing with that money. I was going to ask that because some, here's what my problem is. Now you're going to do a, a little slight free consultation on me a little bit, 
right? Okay. I, I became so behavior minded on saving that I don't know. Sometimes I don't know. I turn it off. Like that actually was one of my issues. I switched my whole mentality to not spend, and I don't want to. I, I do invest, of course, but that took a while. So for someone like me who they did change and they they now are saving money and are budgeting well. Um, what can you tell that person who's now stuck on that level? Like, did, all they want to do is save, 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 but that money's not doing anything. What would you tell that person? And have you seen that happen? Like in one of your clients or even you yourself where you were so stuck on saving mode that you didn't know you were scared to kind of spend almost? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that was me. Um, and that was my situation. Yeah. I And I actually uh, kind of still struggle with that because... Um, I like to call it like your your money personality. And it's like, are you a spender? Are you a saver? Or are you a risk taker? And mm. me, I am a saver. Um, I, I'm going to save, save, save. But I don't like taking risks with my money. You know, the stock market is risky. 401ks are risky. Um, and, you know, investing just in general is risky. So the thought of somebody taking $5,000 from me and trying to say, oh, we can turn it around. Eh, I don't really like that. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, what I tell people is that, you know, if you have the foundation, um, and that's why I say, you know, I am, I'm the, one of the things that help you, you build, uh, um, the financial foundation. I help people build financial foundations because essentially you can't budget and save your way to the top. You know, you can, you can, you have to have that, that principle, but that's just the foundation. That's just a layer. So after you've built that, you're going to have to find ways to capitalize your money because if you don't, it's just going to be sitting there, you know, it is like you said, inflation is going to be eating it up. So, um, I know it's scary, um, but you have to kind of like do, do research, um, and a lot of financial analysts would tell you that, you know, building generational wealth is a slow process. Building wealth is a slow process. And, and again, we own that instant gratification. Well, if I put $2,000 in the stock market, I'm going to get $4,000. Unless you do like what's called day trading, that's a whole nother level of investing. I don't mm-hmm. have any knowledge on that. That's a whole nother level. Unless you can do that, kudos to you. But if you're trying to build generational wealth, it's a slow process. It is a slow process. Um, right. Yeah. So, yeah, you're going to have to eventually kind of steer over that way of wanting to take risks and just starting off small. Even if you just open that, like you said, that 401k and just put that $10 or just whatever, um, you're going to have to do that over time because you can't budget and save your way to the top. There you go. Scare money don't make no money. Yeah, there you go. There you go. One of the books that I read, um, which is a very famous book anyway, which is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. um, One of the things he mentioned was you have to think of your money like your own employee. You know, don't don't work for the money. Let that money work for you. So even when you're sleeping, that money is still working for you. And. One of the last things I want to ask about is I know you mentioned writing down what I think is very important, right? Like that kind of like that financial vision board of some sort. One advantage that we have that maybe our parents and so forth didn't have is the resources of technology. So do you have any like apps that you particularly use to help you with budgeting or tracking down finances to 
make it easier to save? Do you have any apps to suggest or that you personally use? Well, you know, I'm an old school girl, so I love writing on my good old pen, get a notebook and expenses and income. You know, uh. I'm I'm that old banker. So I, you know, those little trends, those registers, you remember those registers that the bank used to give people? Do I? And mom still use them, yeah. but go ahead. Oh, okay, yeah, that, that's me. <laughs> that's, that's the type of person I am. Um, and so I want people to know that there's no right or wrong way to budget. It's how you budget. So... Just because I do it just, you know, paper and pad, you know, and you may not prefer that, um, there's no wrong way to budget as long as you budget. But um, there are some apps. Um, you have one that rec- one is recommended by Dave Ramsey. Um, it's called Every Dollar. Mm-hmm. And um, you can use that app. Um, you have Mint. You have uh, Frigid. It's F-U-D-G-E-T. Um, you have Clarity Money. So those are some um, budgeting apps that you can utilize for yourself. Um, if you're, you're starting to um, invest um, like a beginner investor, um, I recommend like Robinhood um, and also Acorns. Um, Acorns is simply like you link to your bank account and you're investing your change. So anytime... You know, your change rounds up to $5, Acorns will invest it into your portfolio. And it's like, um, you're basically investing just with change. So like if you, let's say you spend a dollar and 50 cents at Starbucks, they're going to round your total up to $2. And until you get to that $5 market, it'll credit it over. And then you're just basically investing that way. Um, I love Acorn because it's like you're saving and you're not even realizing that you're saving. Um, right. I like Robinhood because Robinhood is pretty basic, but don't get on Robinhood um, and just invest in things. Um, although I'm not educated to teach investments, what I can tell you is that do your research. Mm-hmm. Um, don't just follow, like you say, like what social media tells you, you know, kind of do research, look into different companies and um look at their financial statements i know a lot of people may not you know have been in that accounting and financial world like we have but you can still look at a balance sheet you just go to any company their investor relations and mm-hmm. you look, just click on balance sheet look and see how much treat it like your personal account look at look at their cash reserves look at you know how much they spend a year if you see that they're, they're spending more than they're earning Think of it yourself. Would you want to invest in me if I spend more than I earn? You know, look and see, you know, their cash reserves. Do they have a lot of like an emergency fund? Would you want to invest in me if I didn't have an emergency fund? Just treat that personal like a business. Um, So that's what I would recommend with um, Robinhood um, with that app as well. Um, But yeah, I don't I just use those two apps, but I don't um, I personally don't use the um, budgeting apps. Um, just because I like to write things down because I like to erase. I'm that old school girl. <laughs> I like to there see There you it. go. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that wrong with that? We all got a little old okay. school. You know, we, 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 we 80s babies. Some days you got to keep, you know, from way right. back, you know, you got to keep it going. But yeah. you definitely, Alicia is dropping gems here tonight. And Time def- definitely goes by fast. We gotta have you in for a future episode, if you don't mind, of course. Oh yes, of course, most definitely. I love talking about finance. I love helping people, but more importantly, I just, you know, 
I just think of it just in general, like we have to get to a place where we're, like you said, we don't say those terms. Like I'm just robbing Peter to pay Paul, um, mm-hmm. things like that. We got to kind of, you know, think and say, okay, maybe my mom didn't teach me that, but now technology has advanced. There's more tools. Um, you can literally learn how to increase your credit score on YouTube. There's so many people out there giving free advice. And we just have to utilize the things and, and, and furthermore, just want to, you know, um, I like how you said rich dad, poor dad, because that was one of the books that I read at 30, which made me want to change my mindset because I was living the life of the poor dad, where it's just like, Hey, I'm just working to pay bills and that's it. You right. know, and, and I'm going, um, even though I still have a, my nine to five, but it's just like, I'm just going to work for my employer all the time. I'm not going to have no business, but then that, that book, you know, it kind of changed my perspective. And then you just see how, you know, how all these big businesses in general, like, like they don't pay no taxes. <laughs> and I'm sitting here paying taxes. So it's right. like, hey, I need to learn the game too. So, you know, we got to, you know, change our mindset and just be wanting to, to just do better in general. So, yeah. Mm. So in closing, I want to leave our listeners with this. If wealth can talk, can you hold a conversation? Mm. There are resources out there to build your vocabulary, to understand the language of finance. And one individual who is fluent in that language is my guest, Alicia. So Alicia, can you please tell people how can they reach you on social media and the platforms that your book is available in? Yes. So I definitely want everyone to purchase my book. No thanks. I'm on a budget. It's going to get you right for 2021. Um, I know we all said throw 2020 in the trash, but we're not going to do that for 2021, right? We're going to get our finances together. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So you can go to amazon.com. It's called No Thanks. I'm on a budget. It is also available um, through uh, Barnes and Nobles, their online store as well. Um, my social media platform, I am Alicia's Financial Corner. So you can find me on Facebook, Alicia's Financial Corner. I have a group page where I post a lot of funny financial things. I try to get people inactive just to kind of make finance fun because sometimes people think finance is boring. It really is not really. You can make it fun. Um, then I also have my regular business page on Facebook. And then, of course, Instagram is Alicia's Financial Corner. I look forward to helping you all financially. All right. Hey, I throw it to you, but she was able to dunk it tonight. Alicia, we definitely appreciate that. Um, Yes, thank you for having me. This was nice. No, not a problem. We will have you again, and this episode will be dropping soon. Another episode in the books where the message is moving. We're breaking generation curses every day on here. We're breaking the cycle. Until next time, I'll see y'all later. It's beat.